without reminding us that he was not the genetic father of Jesus. Therefore, we, are, we, we believe in the virgin birth. You remember? And there is something you learn about the virgin birth. Again, if you, if you want to hear the introduction, you need to buy the, the, the cassette or the CD for the first service. During the second service, we emphasize the fact Joseph, there are things he taught Jesus. Jesus was a preacher for three years and a professional for 30 years. Am I communicating? So that as we discuss, sometimes you feel like serving the Lord is leaving your business on in the church. But for Jesus, he showed us the example through the teachings he got, the training he got from Joseph of how to be a Christian professional. Again, if you want to hear more of that, you need to buy the CD for the second service. During the third service, we will try to go on with the, with the, character, with the character study. And uh, we, we, we want to, if you don't mind, to go to the book of Luke, uh, um, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25, and I'll read it again. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. We want to have lessons from the character of Joseph this Christmas. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with the child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Verse 23, the virgin will be the child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to her son and he gave him the name Jesus. So the first thing we see is the training uh, that he gave to Jesus as, um, as, as a carpenter. Then the second thing we emphasize is the obedience of Joseph on God's instructions. To Joseph, we emphasize during the second service, when God talks, you don't negotiate with him. If it's a contract, you can negotiate with the other party. But with God, you don't negotiate. Because God means good for you. When he gives instructions, it's not for God's good, but for your own good. And you are not wise when you disobey him. Joseph was asked to do an impossible thing. Here is a girl who, has, who is pregnant and he is not responsible. Total embarrassment. And in fact, in those days, there was the risk that the, 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 both Joseph and the boy could be stoned. Are we together? But he was told by God, go ahead and marry her. Say, but God, you know I'm not responsible. You go ahead. And what did Joseph do? He obeyed. This Christmas, the story of Joseph, like I said, during the second, second service, is the story of an, somebody who understands that we are supposed to obey God. Let's, let's look at verse 23 again. You see, verse 23 says, The virgin will be the child and will give birth to her son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph is assured that the child will be God with us. Never again would man uh, need to face life alone. 
Isn't that a wonderful promise? You see, Joseph was very reluctant to go ahead and marry. He said, but go ahead and marry. Because the baby that will be born will be called Emmanuel. And for Joseph, he was going to be with the baby as the baby grew. And he was going, as long as that boy was in the family, he was going to have God in the family. He will be training him as a carpenter, but he will be training God. Because like I've emphasized during the previous services, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. It's not, he was not half-half. He was not half God and half. He was fully God and fully man. Can you imagine what that means? That you know as you stay in that house, you are assured of several things once you understand the meaning of the word Emmanuel. That if you stay with God, it means that any problem that comes our way is not only facing you, it's facing the family. And in your family is God man. Are we together? You see, once you understand that, you realize that a lot of the things that frighten you in life, once you realize God man, it changes everything. And Christmas is an important time because it's an important time that reminds us that you are never to face life alone. You face it with God. A lot of teaching these days are giving the impression that if you come to Christ and if you tithe, there will be no more problems. In fact, telling you, send a thousand dollars for your miracle. Have you had those kind of sermons? That's not scripture. It does not mean that when you come to God, there will be no problems. What it means, you will never face the problems alone. That he is Emmanuel, so when the problems come, they will not, you will not be alone. Secondly, that no problem will come that he has not given you the capacity to handle. It's not what the word of God says. That every temptation comes. And that idea of the presence of God means that there will be troubles, but never is there going to be a trouble that will paralyze you. The initial thing will be like man is to be frightened. Like they call you and tell you, you have cancer, you have three months to live. It frightens you. Until you remember that cancer is an attack, but it's not attacking alone because he is Emmanuel. God with us. And it means as you go through, and the Lord could choose to heal the cancer, or he could take, just choose to take you with the cancer. Irrespective of what he chooses to do, you are never alone. Christmas is a very critical time because the time we forget our struggles on our own and remember we are no longer single strugglers. Christ is with us. And the story of Joseph is the story of a man who welcomed the God man into his family and was sure he would face issues, but he would never face them alone. May the Lord remind you this Christmas that Christmas is not just a time of eating chapatis. It's a time of remembering God's presence because he has become Emmanuel. God with us. But you know, there's another thing that happens. Once you know about God's presence, there are many things that happen. I, I know a story told, but I, read, I read in the book of a, of a man, a man of God, who a lady, one of the members of the church, really got attracted. Attracted spiritually, but also attracted physically. And uh, he, she was really struggled. And then she arranged everything. I mean, says, can we go for a picnic? I need ministry. Of course, they went for a picnic. But of course, after some time, the man discovered there were properly arranged things on how he is going to sin. And he says, before we do it, can we pray? Obviously, that's part everything. You need to understand that as soon as you call God's presence, evil cannot succeed. I mean, basically, whatever she had felt, or you needed to start praying, and he took, she took off. It's very important to understand. When you discover Emmanuel, God with us, then temptations will come. People are arranged. 
until you, it's dear Omude, we are told, was invited. They wanted to make fun of him. And they invited him to one of the biggest town hall dances. You know, sent him an invitation. Because he's a famous man, he should come to the, to the party. And he says, I'm coming, but I would like to open the dance for you in prayers. They changed their mind. It's very important to understand. <laughs> It's very important to understand that once you understand God Emmanuel, it means that whenever you go, you don't go alone. You go with, with God. And can you see what implication it will be, both in terms of righteousness and in terms of facing challenges? This Christmas, we are remembering the story of Joseph as a story of a man whose life changed because he was willing to welcome baby Jesus into his family. Will you decide you will not face the future without God? That you will accept never Again, will you face your life again? Verse 25 of the same portion of scripture says, But he had no union with her, and she gave birth to a son. You know, that's basically, we are learning about Joseph. <laughs> Can you imagine what you are telling a man on a honeymoon? You know, basically, you need to understand that this lady had been betrothed, in other words, engaged to be married. They were waiting to be married. Then he said, Go ahead and marry her. But no union with her for nine months. Is that a very, for those who are married, you know, you understand, others forgive me for this. But you need to understand that to ask a man who is married to stay single married, am I communicating? It is not a, it's not a very, easy, very easy matter. But that's what God was asking. Knowing God may mean deprivation from something valuable for a better tomorrow. Are we communicating? That there are things that your body says you should do, but you know that you now you to know God. God who loves you tells you not to do it. Knowing God does not mean we can manipulate him by serving him to, uh, to always get what we want. It's very important to understand that when you come to God, it doesn't mean that you can start manipulating him. Joseph understood that. He was a man of God. He was serving the Lord. He was keeping himself righteous. He is called to be with the baby Jesus. But in the process, it means that he has to live in a discipline that not many men have been asked to undergo. And I'm suggesting, you'd, I'm sure you're not praying you get through, through it. It's very important to understand that we we'll come to God. One of the stories of Joseph is to remind you can be a man of discipline. You know, some of you, one of the things you are saying, Brother Nganga, I'm just about to divorce my wife. I have had her for 20 years of torture. You know, the other day, we were called, we were called, my, my wife and I were called to do some family counseling with somebody. As we went, it's a brother who called us. He told us, as you go, please understand, Brother Nganga, I need your help desperately. I live on, in hell on earth. You, know, you need to understand whether when a brother tells you that his house is hell on earth, you have to imagine how hell is, you know, to imagine how the house is. And when we reached there and we were trying to do counseling, and remember, these are saved people. No, they, so the sister received us very well. I mean, she, they, they know us. They received us very well, and we started fellowshipping. When their brother wanted now to introduce that we deal with the subject, the lady played the games, and when, for example, what they were doing is, they would call, the, the daughter was so old enough to understand what's happening, so she was being told to go out. The, the husband goes, tells her to go out, the, the wife calls the baby back. Obviously, <laughs> and you know they are playing games. We are all there. It's thoroughly embarrassing. As I can see the frustration of my brother trying to get the child out and the child coming. So she had to speak loudly. So when his child going alone, they went with the mother. They went upstairs. Now, when they went upstairs, now after some time, the brother is now defeated. Sends the house guard and says, please tell Mama so-and-so to come. When the lady came back, he says, Mama so-and-so says they are sick. They cannot, she cannot come. A few minutes ago, she was okay talking to us. Now she has got then. 
sick. Now we were there. How can you do counseling? And it's useless to do counseling of one party if the other one is not. And we were very tired. We had come from a mission. And he had come to our house on a Sunday afternoon. After We were very tired. He said, you cannot wait. We have serious issues in my house. You know, after some time he said, now, brother, there isn't much we can do. We will pray. As we walk out, he said, brother Nganga, didn't I tell you I live in hell? Oh, now. And you know, now I had no alternative than to agree. Now, you need to understand. <laughs> you need to understand there can be terrible things. And you reach alive and says, enough is enough. Next year, I'm divorcing her. I'll get another one. But the word of God says, I do not dislike divorce. What do I do? I hate divorce. My brother, are you hearing me? That the Lord may want you to stay with that sister, irrespective that you are staying in hell. One of the letters sent to the seven churches, Jesus told that church, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Am I communicating? <laughs> you need to understand that he didn't tell them, take off. He says, I know. Don't think that the devil is there without me knowing. I know he is there. And I know that I will give you victory. Am I communicating? And you need to understand that irrespective of how the home is, if you obey the Lord, he will give you victory. And the victory could come in many ways. You may be surprised. When I was in Rwanda, one of the brothers who gave testimony talked about the struggles in their marriage. And he says one day he goes, he goes on, a, on a trip to another country. And he was in a hotel room when the Holy Spirit all of us said, oh, I know you want to divorce. By the way, the brother had decided to divorce. The wife had agreed to divorce. But now in the hotel room away from Rwanda in another country, he, the Lord seems to whisper to her, to him, the problem is not your wife. She may be bad, I agree. But if you are better, there will be a better marriage. <laughs> and he said, but God, you are aware. I have done my best. I have studied books on marriage and practiced them. But he rejects me. She doesn't want me. God, what do you expect me to do? And he says, be a Christian in your own marriage. And he realized it's not a matter of divorce. And he didn't want the party. <laughs> you know, the combination of divorce and hell. He wanted to go to heaven. And he told God, I know that I, not, I don't enjoy my home, but I'm going back to be what you have asked me to do. And he knew that the wife may already have decided to leave, but he was praying, hold her until I arrive. I'll apologize on my part. Whether she apologizes or not, I'll leave a Christian in my own marriage. So he tells us the story. When he arrived at the airport to the wife, remember they are both saved. The same one who had decided they are divorcing, somehow the Lord said, do you know this marriage is in trouble because of you? Same message. Reminds it's the same Holy Spirit. But now he is, he, is, he is in Rwanda. Now when she had that, when she had that message, she said, God, if he leaves me, I now realize I'm responsible. Stop him. At least he should not divorce me when he is away. Let, let him come. So as they came to the airport, both parties were coming to say, I am sorry. The other one is saying, before you finish, it is me who is. Sorry, no, it's me. No, it's me. Now, you need to understand the honeymoon began from the airport. Am I, <laughs> am I communicating? It's important to understand the story of Joseph is the story of a man being to survive something that, humanly speaking, was difficult. But God gave him victory. Am I communicating? And I don't know exactly what was to speak to you. I don't know what you are going through that even God agrees with you, it's a hard time. You are sitting where the devil has his throne, but him saying, I'm going to be with you. Am I communicating? That if you stay to the end, because the, the, that church was told, if you stay to the end, you have a crown of like glory. Now the question is, as you see that Joseph won the journey, and later he had four children after that, and he had a wonderful marriage, do you not be about marriage for you. It may be a different issue at your place of work. 
It may be a different issue in your clan. It may be a social problem. I don't know what it is. But there's an issue you feel like God is not fair with you. He is asking you to do a wrong thing. You are not the first one. Even Joseph was asked to do a difficult thing. But Joseph, in that, that first Christmas time, agreed to serve the Lord and stay with him. Will you be like Joseph? Or are you going to say that enough is enough? I want to go to hell. Because that's basically when you disagree with the Lord, you are choosing to go to hell. Or will you rather enjoy God's presence on earth and continue with him in heaven? Our joy should do to do his will. In other words, you do what God wants you to do, irrespective of what it means. If you are guided by pleasure, you cannot be a Christian. You know, so why do you do what you do? Because I enjoy it. No, the first thing is, I do what I do because it honors God. But for most of us who have been Christians, you know that what honors God, most times in the end, you are going to enjoy, isn't it? That when you serve the Lord, in the final analysis, it may be a difficult thing, but God gives you joy. You know, I remember at Sunday school, we were taught that joy is spelled as J-O-Y. J for Jesus, O for others, and Y for yourself. And it means that if you truly want real joy, there is nothing more exciting than to be in the center of God's will. So that you need to say, I will live my life like Joseph to do what God wants. Joy starts with Jesus. Then, even then, it doesn't follow you. It follows others. Because there is no way you serve Jesus without serving others. A lot of us want to say that serving the Lord does not affect man. No. If you are serving the Lord, you will serve others. Are we, are we communicating? In fact, Jesus says, if you say you love me and you can't see me and you cannot love the brother who is with you, that's not love. It means that others come first and finally you will find you have a life of joy. That's how, what Joseph discovered. That as he agreed to obey God, he ended up with the joy. Then in verse 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph but before they came together, she was found to be with the child through the Holy Spirit. Now, I just want to take a step back and just look at that life. Joseph teaches us faithfulness even before marriage. You know, now it is not after he marries her. It is one year. We are told that betrothed or espoused people or engaged, engaged to be married, there was commonly an interval of 10 to 12 months among the Jews between the contract of marriage and the celebration of the nuptials. In other words, they had, uh, they had a, a pre-engagement period of about 10 to 12 months. Yet such was the nature of this engagement that unfaithfulness to each other was deemed adultery. In other words, even if you are not married, if you are unfaithful to your girlfriend, it is not fornication. It is called adultery. It is sin. You know, it is important to understand that when Joseph was in that category, we are told he never, he never had no knew her. He kept righteousness. An example of a brother employer who claimed, I have an example of a brother employer who claimed since no appointment letter, he can fire the young man. <laughs> you know, what I'm trying to get you to understand is a lot of people argue that because I'm not yet married, because the girl is not married, even if I sleep with her, I have not committed adultery. After all, I'm not sleeping with somebody else's wife. Joseph was different. Just the fact that he is committed to God, he was committed to man. He meant faithfulness, meant that you could trust him. The life of Joseph is the life of a person you could trust. That when he makes a verbal promise, it doesn't even have to be written. If he promised to marry you, it's as good as he has a 
married you. In fact, the Bible is saying he did not want to divorce her, yet he had not married her. I wish we had more young people like that. That when they are proposed to a girl and say, by the way, I want to marry you, it is like he has already married her. He is going to be faithful. Even if he says she's another one with a, with a better nose, it doesn't quite attract, it doesn't quite because she knows, he knows that it's not a written record. When he says, I love you, when he says, I'll marry you, God was the third party. Am I communicating? Can you imagine what would happen in our church when people start understanding that the third party of every promise is God himself? It's a very, very important thing. Let me just look for you, uh, read for you Psalm 15 verse 1. Psalm 15 verse 1. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? In other words, amongst us, who is truly going to heaven? Verse 4 says, who despises a vile man, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath, even when it hurts. The story of Joseph is a story of a man whose word is the bond. In other words, whatever it is he does, he actually is so committed to it that there is nothing he can change about it. May this Christmas remind you of Joseph, of a man who promises a girl, and even if she gets pregnant, he doesn't, he doesn't, want, to, he, he doesn't want to behave like it's okay to leave her. He felt like leaving her, is actually divorcing her. You know, I would like this, this story I was telling you is a bishop friend of mine who employed a young man whom I knew in his university days. So I met him and I said, where are you working? He told me, I said, oh, I know, the, I know the man, I know that bishop. And he was working in one of the ministries of that bishop. Then later I met him, just when he was telling me he's about to marry, and he told me he is having a lot of challenges because he has not been paid for several months by the bishop. Say, you mean he can't pay you? In fact, that's not as bad, Brother Nganga. He actually has told me to stop working and will not give me back the money. When I went back to say, at least pay me for what I've worked, he said, when were you ever employed? Now he asked, you know, since he has been there for three years, I think three years, I can't remember the number of years, I think three years, the first time he started working, he asked for an appointment letter and he was told, no, 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 just work. This is a Christian place, just work. He reminded him, now, by the time he reminded the fourth time, and he's an old man, he realized he'll never get a letter. But since he's getting his salary, it does not matter. Now, when he wanted to get rid of the boy, he used the fact that there is no letter of appointment to chase him away without paying him salary. You know, as I was telling the boy, I said, by the way, young man, the bishop is right. The word against his. If he says you have been working there helping him, what do you have to prove you are not? Helping. Because all the people can say, we have been seeing the boy. The bishop says this is true. But I never even knew he wanted a salary. He was always helping me. You have absolutely nothing to prove. Because you never asked for a letter of appointment. But you need to understand the bishop is no longer a bishop in the heaven. Because the word of God says, let your word be yes or no. It means that what you say does not have to be written. Because you said it, it is recorded in heaven. Are we together? That was Joseph. No wedding yet, but he can't drop a girl. Can you see the life of Joseph? And I want to ask you, how many of us are Christians who say it's not written? Where is the legality? Do you know as a Christian what you say verbally? It does not matter it's not written. Or on a Kenyan you law, you will go scot-free in the courts of heaven. You're on your way to hell. Am I communicating? How I wish this Christmas God will return to us the meaning of becoming Christians like Joseph where our word will be yes, yes, or no, no, and nowhere in between. You still know some people tell red lies, others black lies. It does, every lie is a lie. Some of us even promise our sons, if you pass, I'll give you a bicycle. Then he passes, 
You tell him there are no bicycles. Now, obviously, you need to understand that your son may be only seven years, but he knows what a promise is. You can tell him, I, when did I tell you? Now, it doesn't matter what you say when. God was a witness. I'm not communicating. And that's why it means be very careful what you say, because what you say is recorded in heaven. That's what the life of Joseph teaches us. It is teaching us that if we truly are godly, our word will be something we actually keep. That's what Joseph teaches us. You know, Joseph teaches us real love. Can you imagine what we are talking about in loving, loving Mary? Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Remember, he's not yet married, but the Bible is describing him as a, as a as husband. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. You know, that's real love. You know, a lot of us talk about love. We are driving, and someone was describing love, you know, in one of the FM stations was describing love. And he was asked, what is love? He says, love is, you know, it's something you feel. <laughs> love is some feelings you feel in your body. I don't know what the English word is for it. <laughs> for it. <laughs> and my wife said, what a meaning. Now, you need to understand that that's the meaning the world gives to love. Love is what you feel that pleases you. But God's love, as explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is what you feel for another. Am I communicating? In other words, love is not what pleases you, but what pleases your love, the one you love. So that if you say you love the girl, you desire the very best of the girl. And it doesn't matter what happens to you, what matters is what happens to her. Love is not self-centered. Love is other-centered. And if your love for your wife is the feelings you feel, it basically means you love yourself. Am I communicating? I love, I love myself. You know, you find a boy saying, you know, I can't wait until the wedding day. You know, I love you so much, I can't wait. Now, who is the problem? <laughs> Remember, it's not the girl, it's himself, isn't it? So he is misusing the word. It's not that he loves the girl. He loves himself. And he wants to use the girl to love him. Am I communicating? Joseph teaches us. That the love means thinking of the other person. And this Christmas, that's what God is challenging us. How many people have we thought we love? Yet the truth is we love ourselves. A lot of divorces that are happening is because you say, since I married her, she is useless to me. She goes Ugali that is like soil. Now, where's the career? <laughs> Who has the problem? It's your stomach, isn't it? That you love yourself. Am I communicating? You, because she doesn't seem to mind her own Ugali. You mind it, isn't it? Now, you need to understand the day you stop thinking about yourself and think about her. If you need to take that to Utali to make Ugali, just tend her, pay the bills so that she knows how to make Ugali. It means you are interested in her. That's what you need to ask yourself. What love is? Love is other-centered rather than self. And Joseph is the best example. He is put in an embarrassing position where the whole people know that he is betrothed. So once the girl is pregnant, they know, <laughs> look at that boy, and he is behaving holy. Look at what he has done. And then he says, if I tell the people, if I start defending myself, I cannot defend myself without defaming my wife, my girlfriend. I will leave her quietly so that I don't put her to public. Can you see that amount of love? Where you're not thinking of yourself, you're thinking of the other? That's what love is all about. May we truly know real love where you desire the other's good rather than self good. That's what Christmas teaches us in Joseph. That if you desire another's good, then you truly, you truly love them. I just want to finish with a look at the book of Luke, chapter 2, and I'm finishing with it. 
the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 21. The Bible says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because you will save his people from their sins. These are instructions to Joseph. He is being told the son, go ahead and marry the boy, because Joseph's son will not be just an ordinary baby. He is going to be a savior. Um, you know, it must have been very difficult to be told that your small boy is actually going to be a savior. Can you imagine the baby? This is my savior. Can you imagine the test on Joseph? Trusting that the baby is a savior. And that's what God is saying. In Jesus, we have a savior, not another human being. Do you fail to learn from one of your, in your family just because he is, just because he is? The new verse 49 says, why were you searching for me? That is Luke. I'm back to Luke. And Jesus is asking, why were you searching for me? He's asking the parents, because he has been lost for three days. He asked the parents, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Remember, he is telling the father that I had to be in my father's? How do you think the boy felt? No, he has been bringing her as the son, yet he is saying, you are not really my, son, my father. My father is in? So he is asking his other parents, why were you looking for me? but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Can you imagine the amount of confusion that father went through? But he was a father who was willing to learn from the son. Joseph was humble enough to learn from his son. You know, that's one of the things I finish with, that Joseph teaches us the importance of going for knowledge rather than age. You know, even the, 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 we, know, we know that the two of them learned because later the mother of Jesus say, sees the trouble in a marriage and you know he has not yet started preaching. It's a first miracle. He says, whatever this boy tells you, do it. Do you remember the story of Cana of Galilee? The mother is saying, whatever this boy tells you, go ahead and... And when they did it, there was a lot of partying in that wedding. Question. What is the Lord telling you in teaching us about the life of Joseph? Willing to learn from somebody who was younger. Willing to be saved by his own son. Am I communicating? Now, what is the Lord telling you about starting to learn from one another? Is there some problem sometimes when you are in this church and you are in your 50s and our pastor are in their 20s and you sometimes ask, but what does that boy know? You start wondering, surely he sits there telling us about marriage. He has not even been married for six months. Now, basically, what is he actually telling us? Now, every time you have that trouble, go back to Joseph. If you think that a 27-year-old is too young, what about a two-year-old? Am I communicating? In fact, in verse 49, the boy is only 12 years. The boy who is talking about my father in heaven is not older. He's not yet a teenager. He's a preteen and talking. Can you see the confusion? I'm asking you, what do you think God is telling you about starting to learn where what matters to you is not the age of the person, but the knowledge of the person? So that when God talks to you, it will not matter the vessel. It will matter has God talked. So the reason you should refuse something is not because of the age of the person, but because of the truth about the person. If somebody who is an old prophet, like First Corinthians, First King chapter 13, there's an old prophet who misleads a young prophet. You know the story. The question is, you need to understand that there can be an old man preaching who is misleading you. And there can be a young person preaching who is talking God's word, has talked or not. And that's the story of Joseph. This morning, I want to ask you, is there something you feel like you know? And because you know, you are not going to change. Because the person telling you does not seem to know what he is talking about. You know, this man, well, this man Joseph, as I finish, you need to understand he was a devout person. What do you think they were doing in Jerusalem? In Jerusalem, they were going to obey the customs of the Jews. He was teaching his son the importance of religious worship and 
keeping, uh, keeping the religious rules. And you know, sometimes we are of the opinion that because we are young, we don't want to learn from the old. You know, just a little earlier I was talking about learning from the young. But the boy was willing to learn also from his father. Are we together? And you need to understand the same thing as a young person. That there are some things that are useful. And in fact, you cannot be creative unless you first of all learn from the old. When you are doing your, when, if you are doing a thesis, one of the things that first chapters are all called, always called literary, literature survey. Have you heard of that? And what a literature survey means before you tell us your wonderful ideas, find out who has talked about them earlier. And during the literature survey, you might discover you have no thesis to write because everybody has already talked about it. Am I communicating? And that's what young people have to learn about this Christmas. That there is something that old people know you don't know. Am I communicating? And before you come with something creative, first of all, find out. What do the people, old people, know? Am I communicating? And you know, once you do the literature survey, you are able to narrow yourself to an area of discovery that's going to help your particular profession. This, this morning, this afternoon, question is, what is it the Lord wants to teach you? And the reason you cannot learn is because you are too young or you are too old to learn. And yet God wants to minister to you through whatever he is doing. Your ministry, you must understand, is to, to accept God's teaching and obey it. And you know what was Joseph, the best, time, the best thing I would call Joseph, I would call him a facilitator. Because you know after that we don't hear of him. That's why you have not heard someone about Joseph. We talk about the mother Mary, we talk about, jo about Jesus, we don't talk about him. Because who was he? Just a facilitator, wasn't he? He facilitated Jesus to come up to the scene, and after that, he is actually forgotten. In fact, at the crucifixion, we know that the guy is dead. Why? Because Mary is not told to be looked after by the, by the husband. She is given to another, am I, you know the story, isn't it? At the crucifixion. That Joseph seems to have died somewhere before Jesus died. Because he is not there. He is not at the crucifixion. And there was no way the father would not have been, he would have, the, the mother would have been handed to somebody else if the husband was still alive. So he was only needed to be the facilitator for God's miracles to happen. And you know something? Even some of us, that's one of the things we don't. We don't serve in the church. Why? Unless I'm chairman, I cannot serve. The story of Joseph is of somebody with wide shoulders willing to allow others to stand on top to be noticed. Am I communicating? That if somebody wants to change the barb and you have wide shoulders, the Lord doesn't want you to change the barb. He wants you to provide the shoulders for the young boy to stand there so that he can change there. People will be saying, wow, we are so grateful for the, for the, for the job there. We were in darkness until this young man came. But the young man was actually not tall enough. He was standing on your shoulders. This next year, will you allow the Lord to use your wide shoulders? Nobody will notice you. People will be talking about the guy who is changing the barbs. But you and God know, without your shoulders, that miracle would never have happened. That miracle would not have happened. God wants to change his church. God wants to change your community. But he may not be expecting you to become a high flyer. He wants you to provide the shoulders for the people to be noticed. Nobody will ever notice you. It does not matter. You still have done God's work. Joseph is not written about. But without Joseph, there would have been a lot of legal and cultural issues that were, not, were now gone. Because Joseph was willing to be a facilitator. Let us pray. I want to give you a moment to just pray for yourself. I don't know what the Holy Spirit has told you. But there is something the Holy Spirit has told you. This Christmas, God truly wants to become your Emmanuel. But you may be in your life. You have no room for him. You are running your own life. 
Maybe you used to be saved, but somehow you are, you are in control of your own life. Christ is no longer in control. And yet, Joseph was told the boy will be born, will become Emmanuel, God with us. It will mean that if you want to face the future alone, you can go ahead. But if you want to face the future with Jesus, during this service, would you like to go to God and say, forgive me, I've gone the wrong way. But today, I want to receive you as my personal savior. I want to come back to you. Maybe you have never been saved. And the Holy Spirit is saying, today is the day when I can start going to the future with you. The past will be forgiven, but from today I can walk with you. Or maybe for you, you are a Christian, but you know that you have not been serving the Lord in the right way. You are not a man of integrity. Your word is not your board. You know very well that sometimes, as long as you contractually, you can run away. You do not keep your word. And the Holy Spirit is saying, for, pray for repentance. I'm here to judge. Christmas is the time that reminds us God's standards. Christ came to set new standards, but also to give you the power to keep the new standards. But it begins by you saying sorry for things you have done that show you are not a man or a woman of integrity. Or maybe you are going through some difficult times and you feel like giving up. In fact, you feel like sinning and you feel like you de God deserves it because you feel like what he is taking you through is wrong. Maybe you want to be like Joseph where you will say what matters is not my pleasure. What matters is am I living to honor God? I don't know which particular part of the message is your message, but you know all of it. God is willing to give you for your past if you admit it. And then you can go on with God with his help. I want to pray for you. Is there somebody saying, Brother Nganga, I heard God talking to me. I don't want to go out of this place unforgiven. I want to have a this Christmas time. Would you like to be put in that category? Would you like to be, me to pray? The Bible says if two of you agree concerning anything, that I will do. Would you like me and you to agree? I want to know so if you put up your hand. Would you like to put up your hand saying, Brother Nganga, I truly want God's touch. Just put it up after I see it, you can put it down. You are saying, Brother Nganga, pray for me. I need God's forgiveness. I need God's help. Just put up your hands. Once I see it, you can put it down. Is there anybody saying, upstairs, I've seen the hands. Put them down. Anybody else?